جزاكم الله خيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وبعد جزاكم الله خيرا for your time I don't Subhanallah. I was thinking uh, the, one of the greatest benefits that uh, you you will definitely have and you have already had in the past um, time in the time that you've been here is the fact that uh, you get time alone and secluded time with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And uh, what better way to connect with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala through our du'a, through our um, supplication to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So in the time that I have. Um, what we will do is go over uh, specific things regarding dua. The first thing is we'll go over some general fadail, some general virtues, and what the Prophet ﷺ told us about dua. Um, this is something, this is a theme that we see throughout the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that the Prophet ﷺ continued to motivate us regarding specific actions. The reason for this was, as human beings, we need motivation. Uh, and through that motivation, we need to build discipline. Uh, and from time to time, we will have to um, rely on our discipline. Uh, but going back to reading the fadail and the ahadith that inspire us, that helps us with our motivation. And so the Prophet ﷺ mentions uh, ahadith regarding the fadail, the virtues of dua, will cover some of those. Uh, then I will categorize dua into two types of dua. Uh, the first type of dua, masnoon dua, or ad'iyatul ma'thura, what uh, we covered this morning. I believe also when you go over the morning and the evening duas, that's a type of ad'iyatul ma'thura, specific dua that the Prophet ﷺ recited at specific times. And then I'll talk about our individual, our individual dua and guidelines for our dua to be considered for acceptance in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and then hopefully at the end, we can dedicate some time, even if it's five minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, uh, just individually uh, making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From whatever we've learned, and I'm sure most of us know everything that's being presented today, but from you know something that we are reminded of, an etiquette, a guideline, something that inspired us, we can use that to, to right away apply it into the, the few minutes that we can uh, spend in our own dua, in our supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's just some general fadail. I know the screen's kind of light because it's uh, a lot of light in here, but I'll try to um, mention everything that's on the screen, on the projector, so that you can, uh, it's easier for, your, for you to read. So I'm going to start off with just a few sayings of the Prophet wasallam, some ayat of the Qur'an in which Allah, the Prophet wasallam, tells us about dua. The Prophet wasallam, said, الدُّعَاءُ سِلَاحُ mu'min." Dua is the weapon of a believer. din. It's a pillar of deen. وَنُورُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ And it's the light of the heavens and the earth. Now, the fact that the Prophet highlighted all of this, we know all of this, but sometimes we tend to forget that we have this with us. Sometimes we tend to forget that I have this weapon of dua, this direct connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with me at all times. So the Prophet highlighting this, mentioning this for you and I practically, is just a reminder that whenever at all times we sometimes may feel alone, we may feel dejected, we may be going through trials, tribulations, difficulties in our life, in times of hardship as well as in times of happiness, we have this weapon with us to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالْ Your Lord says, Call on to me, astajiblakum, I will answer you. So when we make dua, it's not going through a medium. Many times we need to speak to somebody that's in a higher position. We're talking to their secretaries. Right? We're talking to the people that are handling their emails, their messages, whatever it may be. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are directly connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ فُتِحَ لَهُ مِنْكُمْ بَابُ الدُّعَى فُتِحَتْ لَهُ أَبْوَابُ الرَّحْمَةِ Very beautiful hadith reported by Imam Tirmidhi. A person for whom the door of dua is opened for. A person for whom the, du the door of dua is opened for. فُتِحَتْ لَهُ أَبْوَابُ الرَّحْمَةِ The doors of mercy have been opened for him. What this means is, sometimes as human beings, we all have our habits, things that we like, things that we do in our free time. 
we sometimes have a liking for something. For example, some people really enjoy their job and their job may be something, you know, IT or something that they're really into. It's not a job anymore, it's a passion. Why? Because it's been opened up to them. It's been, it's been opened up to them, meaning they have a liking in that field. And it's not a job for them, they actually sit there and enjoy doing what they do. For some of us, it may be a hobby. A person likes playing basketball, or a person likes a specific type of um, recreation. And they find an enjoyment in it. For someone outside of that, they look at them and say, what's the enjoyment you feel in there? What, what, you know, you play so much basketball, or you're so into this, or you're so into that. Someone that is, doesn't have that liking, someone that isn't attached like that, says, what's going on? You know, like, what is it that you find in there? So the Prophet ﷺ said, some people have that for dua. Man futiha lahu minkum dua. For whomever the door of dua is open like that. Meaning they're always making dua. They're good at dua. Whenever you see them, they're finding times that they can connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with. They're finding times and places, hey, dua is accepted here. Hey, dua is accepted at this time. Whether it be Ramadan, whether it be a normal day, they are engaged in dua. In fact, now it's almost unfortunately become like a career. You know someone that can actually make dua, and people are calling them, say, hey, can you come make a dua uh, you know, at this event? Make, come make a dua at that event. That's not necessarily the reason. That's actually not the reason why we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open this door of dua upon us. But what's meant here, the Prophet is highlighting, if you're that person, who, upon whom the door of dua is open to. You have a liking to it. Now you're finding those times and you're, op you're begging Allah and you're finding what, how to converse with Allah. Then, Futihalahu Abab Rahmah, then the doors of mercy have been opened upon this person. Meaning, you, you've got it. You, you, the doors of Rahmah are open upon you if you have that liking, that interest, and that, uh, what we call in the Urdu language, Dil Chaspi in dua. You know, that liking, and you really want to, to, to have you know, being engaged with dua, then the doors of mercy have been opened for you. Some other sayings of the Prophet dua. The most noble thing in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dua. In another hadith, the Prophet said it's the best act of worship. In one narration, mukhul ibadah, it's the essence, the brain of worship. Someone may ask, why is that? Why is Dua, worship. Usually worship is you doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to do. Whether it's praying, fasting, performing hajj, doing tawaf, performing umrah. That's usually worship. But in dua, usually we're asking Allah for what we want. So how is that ibadah? That's ibadah because we are humbling ourselves in front of Allah. And we're saying, Ya Allah, I don't have it. I don't have the ability. I don't have the capability. It's not my money, it's not my wealth, it's not my economic status, it's not where I live, it's not where I'm from. I have absolutely nothing, Ya Allah, and you're the one who can fulfill for me my needs. You're the one that can fulfill for me my needs. Hence, that humility is, what Allah, is, is the essence of worship. When we put our head on the ground, and we break down and we say, Ya Allah, I'm absolutely nothing. In a world that tells us you're everything, right? We, may, we fake it till we make it. Our, you know, whether it's our resumes, whether it's us uh, just endorsing, endorsing ourselves and all of that. We live in a world where we pump ourselves up and we make ourselves seem something we're not. The exact opposite, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. When we break down and we tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, I don't have the ability. In fact, in the dua of istikhara, O oh Allah, you are the one. If ta'lamu You know, O oh Allah, what's best for me, I don't know. O oh Allah, you have the ability, I don't have the ability. What we're doing is we're humbling ourselves. I'm saying, Ya Allah, I don't have the ability. It's, I don't have you know, any power, anything. This is all through your fault. So that's how it's the essence of worship. Another uh, ayah of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي it's a way for us to get closer to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when my servants ask of me, I'm close to them. It also repels the anger of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ mentions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually becomes upset when we don't make dua. Right? We uh, ask someone once in this dunya, ask them twice, ask them three times, the fourth time, they're, hey, what's, what's the problem? Why are you always coming to me? 
You know, maybe you have a deeper issue. Maybe you need to go talk to this person, that person. With Allah, it's the exact opposite. We ask, the more we ask, the happier and the more pleased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. In fact, if we don't ask Allah, then يغضب عليه. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes upset at the person that doesn't ask Allah. So if we think about when the last time was, we actually made a purposeful, meaningful dua. Was it last year in Ramadan when the last time I actually cried in front of Allah? Was it last time somebody passed away that I actually cried in front of Allah? When was the last time I made a passionate, meaningful dua? Right? That is what brings the pleasure of Allah. And the more, the longer time that passes without making dua to Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes upset. It's a sign of humility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, uh, those that yastakbiruna an ibadati. They're too proud. They're too arrogant to raise their hands. They're too arrogant to put their head on the fo- their forehead on the ground. They're too arrogant to raise their hands and beg Allah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Sayyid Khuluna Jahannam Adakhirin. They're going to enter Jahannam utterly in, hum- in, in utter humiliation. So it's a sign of humility when we make dua. And it's the only thing that repels and changes qadr. It's possible that La qadr Allah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us, but maybe we're supposed to get into a specific calamity. We're supposed to, it's been written in our taqdeer, it's in our decree that we're, we will get a certain sickness, or somebody will pass away, or somebody will get into some type of an accident. It's possible. The only thing that changes that, the Prophet ﷺ mentions hadith of Imam Tirmidhi, that nothing repels qadr like dua. Except dua, nothing else can change qadr. So when we make dua, things change. Even taqdeer changes according to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And one of the last things I wanted to mention in regards to the fadail of dua is that it gives us the opportunity to dialogue with Allah, to, con- to, to have a conversation with Allah. The other day I was reading uh, a dua of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah. Very beautiful. And this is when you see how they would... Uh, connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah He used to make dua He says Ya Allah Allahumma, uh, He would say Razaqtani um, al-Islam Oh Allah Ya Rabb Razaqtani al-Islam Oh Allah You gave me Islam Walam as'aluk Despite the fact That I never asked for it Oh Allah You gave me Islam Despite the fact That I never asked for it I never asked for Islam And it's the greatest blessing I could possibly have and Ya Allah, razaqtani al-Islam wa lam as'aluk. You gave it to me without asking. You gave it to me without asking. And then he goes on and asks Allah. He's setting it up. He's setting it up. He says, Oh Allah, you gave me Islam, the greatest thing I could ever ask for without asking for it. Ya Allah, Allahumma razuqni al-Jannah wa as'aluk. Oh Allah, you gave me Islam without asking for it. Now I'm asking for Jannah. This time, Ya Allah, I'm asking for it. Oh Allah, you gave me Islam without me asking for it. Grant me Jannah, Ya Allah, this time I'm asking for it. Right? The way he converses with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, Ya Allah, you gave me something, the most valuable thing, priceless, Islam, the most valuable thing that a human could ever have is the blessing of Islam. Ya Allah, you gave me that without ever, I had never even asked for it. I never even asked for Islam, you gave it to me. Ya Allah, grant me Jannah, this time I'm asking for it, Ya Allah. Right, so that dialogue and that conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that's beautiful. Uh, in the time of the Prophet sallallahu a very famous hadith, and I'm sure all of us have heard of it. The Prophet sallallahu was passing by in the masjid, and uh, he, he passed by a Bedouin who was making dua. Now, Bedouins were known to be very open in their dua. They were very no, known to be very frank in their nature. In fact, the Sahaba would enjoy it. When the Prophet ﷺ was addressed by a Bedouin. Why? Because these people would come from outside of the city of Medina. So they had different characteristics. Their akhlaq was different. I mean, that happens nowadays too, right? Somebody that's from the city is completely different from somebody that's from like the countryside or from somebody that grew up in a different place far away from the city. So when the Bedouins would come to Medina, you know, the Sahabas, they, the Sahaba would, have, they would enjoy it. Because here the Sahaba are with so much adab, and not even looking at the Prophet ﷺ, not saying the wrong things. And here you have a Bedouin come who, doesn't, who isn't aware of the etiquette of the Prophet ﷺ, walks in the masjid, Ya Muhammad, and just yells out and asks all these things that no one else would ask. So the Sahaba, they would enjoy this. And so in the same way, the Prophet ﷺ is passing by a Bedouin who's making dua, and he's like this with Allah as well. He's con- conversing with Allah in the same manner. He is calling out to Allah. 
So the Prophet Prophet The Prophet passed by him and he was making dua in his salah. The dua was so beautiful, so beautiful. And the dua is reported by Imam Tabrani, I believe. The man he makes dua and says, Ya Tarahul Uyun. Oh the one who whom eyes cannot behold. Uh, and oh the one who minds cannot comprehend. And oh the one that no one can describe. So he's calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's praising Allah. Oh the one who minds cannot comprehend. And oh the one who's, who eyes cannot even behold. And oh the one who no one could describe. And he goes on and praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, the one, Ya'lamu mathaqil al-jibal, the one who knows the weight of the mountains. And oh, the one, Ya'lamu makayil al-bihar. And oh, the one who knows the volume of the oceans. Oh, the one who knows adada qatr al-amtar, the number of raindrops. And the one who knows the number of leaves. And the one who knows adada ma adlama alayhi layl The one who knows everything the darkness could hide in its darkness. And oh, the one who knows everything that the day could illuminate with its brightness. And he just praises Allah, you know, continues to praise Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ heard this, and the Prophet ﷺ was taken aback. So, subhanAllah, what a, a beautiful way of conversing with Allah. And so the Prophet ﷺ told one of the companions that was around, that when he's done with salah, send him to me. So the, the Bedouin, he completes his salah and he goes to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ gives him, asks him, Man anta ya Arabi, who are you, where are you from, and all of that. And then the Prophet ﷺ gives him a piece of gold. When he gives him a piece of gold, the, the, you know, the Bedouin takes it, thanks the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ then asks him, do you know why I gave you this piece of gold? Do you know why I gave you this as a gift? So the Bedouin, he thinks about it, he says, maybe we're related Maybe because, you know, we, from somewhere, somehow we're related and we're from the same tribe or something like that. And that's why you gave me this piece of gold. The Prophet ﷺ said, no. The reason I gave you this gold is because of لِحُسْنِ ثَنَائِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ Because of the beautiful way you praised Allah, the way you are having that conversation with Allah, that's why I gave you this piece of gold. So dua is something that is, is a way for us to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It gives us that opportunity to talk to Allah. Nowadays, unfortunately, if we had to do like percentage-wise, percentage-wise, stats. How much of our dua is asking Allah for what we need and how much of it is just praising Allah? How much of our dua is asking Allah for what we need and how much of it is actually being humble and begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and showing the greatness of Allah? It would most probably be a little bit is praise of Allah. Most of it is asking Allah for what we need, if not all of it. But like we'll go through in a, in a little bit, inshallah, it's supposed to be the exact opposite. It's supposed to be the exact opposite. Where most of the dua is supposed to be praise of Allah. And us humbling ourselves in front, of, in front of Allah. And the ask, what we're supposed to ask for, is supposed to be just a little part. Just a little portion. Just us begging Allah and you know, beseeching Allah and mentioning Allah's praise. That in and of itself is enough for our needs to be taken care of. So inshallah, I'll mention that in a little bit more detail in just a bit. This slide is regarding the misconception that we have regarding our dua not being accepted. The Prophet ﷺ mentions this hadith reported by Imam Ahmad that every time we make dua, our dua is accepted. Though we may not see its acceptance right away or never. Maybe we made dua for a job. Maybe we made dua for a specific someone, something. And it was never accepted. Maybe we made dua for protection from something and it was never accepted. Maybe we made dua for relief from a sickness and it was never accepted. We think that the dua wasn't accepted, but in reality, it was accepted. How? The Prophet ﷺ mentions, every dua is accepted as long as it isn't a dua for sin. Right? لَيْسَ فِيهَا إِثْمٌ وَلَا قَطِيعَةُ رَحِيمٍ as, as long as you're not making dua for sin, and as long as you're not making dua to cut off relationships you know, against someone. You're not making dua against a family member or to break off ties of kinship. The Prophet ﷺ said, besides that, dua are all accepted. How? There's three ways dua are accepted. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you exactly what you asked for. Exactly what you asked for. You asked for a job, Allah gave it to you. You asked for cure, Allah gave it to you. You asked for whatever it may be, Allah gave it to you. That's one way our dua are accepted. Now this is generally the way that we think 
du'as are accepted. If it's not this, then it's not accepted. No. The Prophet ﷺ said, if it's not accepted readily exactly what you want, then there's another way that the du'a was accepted is, and yet lahu fil akhirah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves the reward of that du'a in your book of good deeds. In your book of good deeds, that du'a is accepted. Meaning, in your book of good deeds, you didn't get that protection from the sickness or relief from that debt or that job that you wanted, the car, the house. You didn't get it. But in lieu of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted you reward on your scale of good deeds. So on the Day of Judgment, all the dua that we thought weren't accepted readily in this dunya, on the Day of Judgment, they'll be in our book of good deeds. All of the dua that weren't accepted readily in this dunya, but it's saved for you on your mizan hasanati, on your scale of good deeds in the hereafter. And if it's not that, then in lieu of the dua that you make, it's possible it wasn't accepted, you didn't get the job. And it's possible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't save it for you on your scale of good deeds. The third option, the Prophet said, the third option is, in lieu of that dua, Allah protected you from a calamity. So it's possible that on your way home, la qadr Allah, may Allah save us, but on your way home, it was in our taqdeer that we were going to get in an accident. Or it was possible that next week, sickness was written for one of us. Or it's possible there was a loss of wealth or a loss of lives written in our families. La qadr Allah, may Allah not make it such and bless us all with afia. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. But it's possible, of course, it's life, that in our taqdeer something was written for us. Maybe a loss of a job, maybe a loss of wealth, maybe a sickness, maybe a death in the family. But because of the dua that you made, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't accept that dua exactly what you wanted. Neither did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put it in your scale of good deeds. The third way it's accepted is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns that calamity around. Allah saves you from that calamity. So it's possible that a sickness was written, but Allah saves you from that sickness. It's possible that you're getting in an accident on the way home. Allah saves you from that accident. Why? Because you're in the masjid making dua for something completely unrelated. So you're making something dua for something that's completely unrelated. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in lieu of not accepting that dua and not saving it on your scale of good deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then... Instead, saves you from a calamity. Instead of putting it in your scale of good deeds, put, saves you from calamity. So dua, all dua are accepted. Now, I wanted to break up dua into two types. The two main types, and you can categorize it many different ways. There's dua masnoon or ad'iyatul ma'thura, which this means, masnoon comes from the word sunnah, meaning it's dua from the life of the Prophet wasallam. And the second type of dua are, are our own individual dua. Masnoon dua can be broken up into many different types. I'm just going to mention a few. Specific times. We wake up, there's a specific dua to be made. You know, we come to the masjid, entering the masjid, there's a specific dua. Uh, we enter the morning, there's specific dua. We enter the evening, there's specific dua. These are all specific times that the Prophet ﷺ made specific dua. This is one type of masnoon dua. There's another type of masnoon dua which are just specifically centered around istighfar. How to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. So there are words just like saying astaghfirullah. You can say astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli dhanbi wa atubu ilay. You can say astaghfirullah al-azim al-ladhi la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum wa atubu ilay. You can say Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta khalaqtani. All the way till the end. There's different ways of making istighfar. This is also included amongst the masnoon or the ad'iyatul ma'thura duas. Another type of ad'iyatul ma'thura is dua for protection. Protection from specific things. And we'll go through uh, examples of each of these before we get into the guidelines of the individual dua. So just some examples of masnoon dua. I'll cover the example of the dua for leaving the house before sleeping. Dua that we call Sayyidul Istighfar. The best form of istighfar. Dua for protection. Remember the third type of masnoon dua I mentioned was protection. Debts and worry to protect us from debts and worry and protect us, uh, protect our families and our houses from calamities. So leaving the house and before sleeping, that's the first type of masnoon dua that I mentioned, specific times. And I'll mention the hadith where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's beloved Prophet mentions the reward of those. Then the third dua there, Sayyidul Istighfar, that's a type of istighfar. And I'll mention the fadila, the virtue of that. And then the fourth and the fifth are types of protection, dua for protection from specific things. These are just examples, but if you had to look in books of hadith, there's thousands 
of ahadith in which the Prophet ﷺ mentions specific du'as for specific things. I'll just mention a few examples. While leaving our house, the very famous du'a, we learn it as children in Sunday schools. When you leave your house, you say, Bismillahi tawakkaltu ala Allah, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. In the hadith reported by Imam Tirmidhi as well as by Imam Abu Dawood, the Prophet ﷺ said, you do the simple, small deed reciting Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah before leaving our house and three things happen. Actually four. Number one, the hadith mentions this person has been guided. Hudita. In the hadith, an angel is deployed. You just say these few words while leaving your house. An angel is deployed, comes to you and says, Hudita, you've been guided. Wa kufita, you've been sufficed for. Wa wuqita, and you've been protected. Just by reciting these few words, maybe we can all recite it together. Bismillahi, tawakkaltu, ala Allah. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So simple, took like three seconds. The Prophet ﷺ said, an angel comes to you and says, you're guided. What does this mean? You may have to make a decision. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of that decision for you. Allah will guide you in your decision. Wa kufita, you're sufficed for. You're thinking about the protection of the household. You're thinking about maybe the money that you need to make. You're thinking about an exam you have to take. Kufita, Allah will suffice for you. The third thing, wa wuqita, you will be protected. You might be scared of an accident on the way to work, a mugging. You're leaving behind your whole family, your children, everything you own behind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down an angel. The angel tells you, literally has a conversation with you and tells you, Wuqita, you've been protected. And then in the hadith, in one narration of the hadith, all the shayateen, because this person is guarded, he's protected, all the shayateen leave from around him. Except for one shaitan. He lingers around. You know, like, he just lingers around. Like, maybe he's not protected. Maybe he's not guided. Maybe the dua didn't work all that well. He just kind of hangs around. And because he's still hanging around this person, another angel comes and reminds him and says, what are you wasting your time for? This person, verily, he's been guided. He's been protected. He's been sufficed for. Go. And so the shayateen leave from around him. And the wording is of the hadith, وَتَتَنَحَّى عَنْهُ shayateen. So four things. You're guided, you're protected, you're sufficed for, and the shayateen leave from around you for reciting one dua. Right? Just one masnoon dua, or one uh, dua that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. Before sleeping, this is a little bit of a longer dua that the Prophet ﷺ teaches us. In fact, the hadith, it was Bara ibn al-Azib radiallahu an. A companion, the Prophet ﷺ was teaching him how to go to sleep. The Prophet ﷺ said, before you go to sleep, make wudu, tawadda wudu akalis salah, like you would make wudu for salah, then do this, then do that. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, make sure the last thing that you say is this dua. This dua, a person, he is submitting, Allahumma inni aslamtu nafsi ilayk. Oh Allah, I submit my soul to you. Wafawattu amri ilayk. And oh Allah, I turn over all my affairs to you. All the way till the end. It's very beautiful. We can look at the meanings later. But as a result of this dua, the Prophet ﷺ says, that if you pass away that night, فَإِن مُتَّ مُتَّ عَلَى الْفِتْرَةِ Then you will pass away on the fitrah of Islam. You will pass away on the fitrah of Islam, your natural disposition will be that of Iman, nothing else. If you pass away, then you will pass away on the fitrah of Islam. So this is another example of a dua that's tied to a specific time. Those are two examples that I gave while leaving the house, and the second, before sleeping. Now the third type, or the third example that I wanted to give, is that of istighfar. I mentioned you can make long istighfar, short istighfar, you'll find this in the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ. This specific istighfar, that if we read the morning du'as, then it was definitely amongst the morning du'a. This specific istighfar, the Prophet ﷺ said, that if somebody recites it during the day with firm faith, and dies on the same day, then he, فَهُوَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ Then he is from the people of Jannah. And if you recite this istighfar at night, before going to sleep, and you happen to pass away at night, فَهُوَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ Then this person is from amongst the people of Jannah. For making this type of specific istighfar. So you can actually kind of um, categorize this into both. Specific times as well as in istighfar. The third type of dua was about protection. This is just one example. In this hadith reported uh, by Imam Abu Dawood, I believe. 
The Prophet was once uh, in the masjid and there was a companion by the name of Abu Umama. He was in the masjid at a time when no one else used to be in the masjid. You know, we find those times. Usually now is one of those times. Like Sunday morning before Dhuhr, usually no one's in the masjid. Actually, any morning between Fajr and Dhuhr, usually there's very few people in the masjid at that time. In the time of the Prophet that time was like after Asr Salah, between Asr and Maghrib. And so the Prophet was passing by and he saw Abu Umama in the masjid. And this was the character and the love of the Prophet ﷺ, that he loved and cared for everyone. So the Prophet ﷺ is passing by and he sees Abu Umama. You can already imagine, there, was, it wasn't, there, was, there wasn't windows, neither was there lights or chandeliers or any, it was, you can imagine it was kind of dark, the sun is starting to set. And Abu Umama and the Prophet ﷺ sees somebody in the corner of the masjid huddled up. And so the Prophet ﷺ goes to Abu Umama and this was the care and the love of the Prophet ﷺ. And he says, Ya Aba Umama, O Aba Umama, Mali Araka Jalisan fil Masjid fi Ghayri Waktis Salah. Why are you sitting here? And you, you know, we would think, well, it's the Masjid, it's a good thing he's sitting in the Masjid, but the Prophet ﷺ's care, care and concern. Fi Ghayri Waktis Salah, this is a t- it's not time for Salah. Usually no one's here. What are you doing here? So Abu Umama poured out his heart to the Prophet. ﷺ. He says, O Prophet of Allah, Humumun wa Duyunun lazimatni ya Rasulullah. O Prophet of Allah, grief and debt has overtaken me. And literally, lazi matni, it's dragged me down. Like it's just pulled me down. Grief and debt. These two things have dragged me down. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, Shall I not teach you of some phrases? If you say these phrases, if you say these phrases in the morning and the evening, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away all your grief and He'll pay all off your debts. So Abu Umama said, Of course, O Prophet of Allah, teach me these words. What were these words? This dua. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-hazan. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from grief and sadness. Wa'udhu bika min al-ajzi wal-kasal. From weakness and from laziness. Wa'udhu bika min al-jubni wal-bukhun. Bukhul from miserliness and cowardice. Wa'udhu bika min ghalabatiddain wa qahr al-rijal. And oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from being overcome by debt and overpowered by others. So, the Prophet ﷺ taught these words to Abu Umama radiallahu The story doesn't end there. In the hadith reported by, uh, by Imam Abu Dawood, Abu Umama is telling his own story. He says, فَفَعَلْتُ ذَلِكَ I did exactly that. I read this dua in the morning, in the evenings. And he says, قَضَى عَنِّي دَيْنِي Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away, paid, paid off all my debts. And أَذْهَبَ اللَّهُ هَمِّي And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away all my grief. Right? So it's not just... Uh, the promise of the Prophet ﷺ, but it's the testimonial of, the testimony of Abu, Abu Umama radiallahu anhu. He said, I did exactly that. I recited this dua in the morning and the evening, asked Allah for protection from these things, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala paid off all my debts, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of my grief. So this is an example of protection, a dua that's masnoon, a dua from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that's a dua of protection. There are many other du'as for protection. This is one specific one. Uh, there was a, a, a companion by the name of Abu Darda radiallahu an. Abu Darda radiallahu an was once sitting in the masjid and someone came to him. And he said, all of the houses have burned down. All of the houses in your neighborhood have burned down. And Abu, Abu Darda radiallahu an looked at him and said, no, mahtaraqa. No, it didn't burn down. He said, your house is burned down. He said, mahtaraqa. No, it didn't burn down. And then Abu Darda radiallahu an stood up with the man and took him by the hand, aqama fa'aqamu wantahu ila dari, and he took him to his house. And he says, everything in the neighborhood had burned down except the house of Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. And Abu Darda radiallahu anhu's reasoning was that I heard from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam say that a person who recites this dua, then this is a dua that is a means of safety and protection for your house, wealth, and family. And so he said, I read this dua and I had full conviction that the Prophet ﷺ promised me this, hence I made the dua and that's why my house isn't burnt down. He literally took the man by his hand and took him to his house. Everything else had burned down except for the house of Abu Darda radiallahu an. In some narrations, it's a different companion. There is some weakness found in the hadith, but it is, uh, it is permissible to act upon this hadith and recite this dua as a means of protection for our house, wealth, and family. There are many other dua of protection 
I will leave it up here on the slides and hopefully I can share the slides or you can go back to the recording. But these are just three other du'as for protection. Oh Allah, I'm asking you for protection. I seek refuge in you from knowledge that is of no benefit. وَمِن دُعَاءٍ لَا يُسْمَعْ And from dua that's not accepted. وَمِن قَلْبٍ لَا يَخْشَعْ And from a heart that doesn't fear. وَمِن نَفْسٍ لَا تَشْبَعْ And from a nafs that's never satiated. A nafs that's never fu fulfilled. Ya Allah, I ask you for protection in all of these. From the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Another example of this, the Prophet ﷺ makes dua, Allah, Oh Allah, I ask you protection from the decline of your favors. The fact that we're sitting in so much comfort, in luxury, in ease, sometimes shaitan gets us to think that maybe this protection, this afiyah is normal. But in reality, it's not. This is Allah's afiyah that He's granted us. You know, the people that were sitting uh, in their homes before the earthquake struck were thinking the same thing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us safety and ease and, and, and protection is from His, from his favors. So in this dua, we're asking Allah, Allah min zawali ni'matik. Oh Allah, I ask you protection from the decline of your favors, or your favors being snatched away from us. afiyatik, and from change in granting well-being. نقمتك, and from sudden vengeance from you and from all your displeasure hadith of the Prophet just specific dua that we can add into our regimen that oh Allah protect us from these things in this last dua Allah I wanted to share with you Allah bala. oh Allah I seek refuge in you from severe calamity from misery to fall upon me from bad fate and from the gloating of my enemies. And from the gloating of my enemies, Ya Allah, I seek refuge and I seek your protection from all of these things. So one of the uh, categories of Masnoon Dua are Duas of protection. You'll find these Dua in small collections of Dua, sometimes in Hisnul Muslim, the protection of a Muslim, or Hisnul Haseen. There are small books of Dua that are usually compiled for us, sometimes they're pocket size that you can keep with you. Just a reminder for us to always turn back to Allah. And what we learn from this is that the Prophet by teaching us this is telling us that we should always be in a state of conversation with Allah. We see someone you know, with a car broken down on the side of the highway, of course we should help them. In the case that we can, at least thank Allah and ask Allah for protection. Make dua for the person. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him. Make things easy for the person that's stuck on the side of the road and say, Alhamdulillah, afani and all praises to Allah, the one who saved me from that calamity. Anytime you see somebody that's sick, you should be in a state of dua. Enter the masjid state of dua. Leaving the masjid state of dua. In our cars, going to work, working out. State of dua is what we learn from the Prophet ﷺ at all times in constant connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. So that was the first type of dua is the dua ad'iyatul ma'thura or the masnoon dua. Duas for specific times, duas of istighfar, duas of protection. The second type of dua is the dua that we make for ourselves, our individual dua. And that's what I was talking about in this one day that we're in the masjid and that we have time uh, in seclusion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make individual dua, make lots of individual dua. And it's like working out. You know, people when they start working out, you don't start with the heavy weights, you start with small weights. So you've got to start somewhere. What ends up happening, and this happens in the gym also, sometimes people will work out once a year. You know, they get in a good workout once and then they're sore for a month. Right? Or they get in, they play basketball or football once a whole year and then they're sore for a good week or so and then they give it up. Right? So if you do the heavy lifting just once a year, you go in and, and, and bench press and pick up the heavy weights just once a year, you're not going to really be able to, to keep that weight. You're going to be sore for a month and then you're not going to get back to it. So in the same way with dua, we're like that. We make a heavy hitter, long dua in Ramadan and the rest of the year we give it up. But instead, what's more beneficial is that we, even if we start small, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, and work it up until we can make hours of dua without any interruption, without any difficulty. We don't need to hire somebody to make a long dua for us. We don't need to hire some. We don't need to go to the masjid for a long dua. Yes, we can attend those gatherings and it's great and it's there. But we don't need to find a gathering to make dua. We can at any time, spot, any place, Raise our hands and go and make dua for a half an hour, an hour, and connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a daily basis. So we'll go over some guidelines for individual dua. 
First thing is, and I mentioned this before, there's two components. The first component is praising Allah. Humbling ourselves in front of Allah, that is dua. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, هُوَ مُخُّ الْعِبَادَةِ is when you break down and you humble yourself in front of Allah, that's the major component of dua. The second portion is the ask. The ask is very small compared to the first component. And if you had to do like size-wise, how much, and I mentioned this before as well, but just as a visual, if you had to say that humbling yourself, how much of your dua, it should be a majority of the dua. Praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a majority of your dua. And your ask should actually be very small. Like I mentioned, we flipped it. Our ask is usually the majority of our dua and praising Allah, if any, is very little. And where's the proof for this? We find in the Quran, from the dua of the prophets, alayhi salatu wasalam, different prophets, you will find this, 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 this characteristic of their dua. That their dua is almost all praise. In some cases, only praise. And just an indication towards a need that they have. Most of their dua is just praise of Allah. Now you're going to ask, how do we praise Allah? You can praise Allah in many different ways. You can praise Allah by saying, Ya Rabbi lakal hamd. You can praise Allah by reading Surah Fatiha. You can praise Allah through taking the names of Allah. You can praise Allah just from your heart. Ya Allah, you're the only one. Ya Allah, that has given me all the ability that I have. Ya Allah, the wealth, the family, the health, everything that I have, Ya Allah, is only through your fadl and your grace. If it was up to me, Ya Allah, I am absolutely worthless. I am nothing, Ya Allah. Praising Allah like that, that that's a form of praise, that you talk to Allah and you humble yourself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So case studies, just from the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam, these are just a few examples. If there was more examples, you can find in the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where the Prophet ﷺ praises Allah, even in that dua of the Bedouin, the story that I told before, he long praise of Allah. In, oh Allah, you're the one who uh, minds cannot comprehend, who eyes cannot behold, who knows the, the, the volume of the oceans, the weight of the, 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 the mountains. Most of his dua, and you can look it up, is all praise of Allah. Just at the end, just at the end, he mentions a few dua. Right? So the, the ask is little compared to the praise of Allah. Example of this, Zakaria in the Quran, he says, قَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي وَهَنَ الْعَظْمِ oh Allah, my bones have become weak. الرأس شيبة, my hair has become gray. وَلَك, oh Allah, you've never left me unanswered in my dua. Oh Allah, I'm afraid for my descendants who are coming after me. And oh Allah, my wife is barren. Oh Allah, grant me an inheritor. Grant me an heir. Grant me a child. So the majority of the dua is praising Allah. That oh Allah, I don't have. Ya Allah, and my wife is barren. And ya Allah, my hair has become gray. And ya Allah, I'm weak. And ya Allah, you've never ever left me unanswered. And the dua part is just at the end. Another example, Yunus والسلام, in the belly of the whale, and he's making dua. Does he even ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, take me out of the belly of the whale? He says, La ilaha illa ant. There's none worthy of worship besides you. Subhanak, all glory be to you. Inni kuntu min I was from amongst the wrongdoers. Not even an ask that, Oh Allah, save me. Oh Allah, take me out. Oh Allah, just. La ilaha illa ant subhanak inni kuntu min Just praise of Allah. Through the praise of Allah, our tears should flow. That, Ya Allah, you are so kind, so kareem, so latif, so forgiving, Ya Allah. Just that in and of itself should make our, our tears flow. So the dua of Yunus alayhi salatu wasalam, not even an ask that, Oh Allah, take me out from the belly of the whale. In the dua of Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam, going through sickness and he lost his family and people left, turned away from him and went far away from him. Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam, إِذْ نَادَ رَبَّهُ What did he say? أَنِّي مَسَنْ يَضُّرُ Oh Allah, calamity has reached me. وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاحِمِينَ And you're the most merciful from amongst the merciful ones. Did he even ask, oh Allah, cure me of this disease? Did he ask, oh Allah, take this away from me? Did he ask, oh Allah, give me back my family? Did he ask, oh Allah, the people have shunned me? No, he just indicates it to Allah. إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَسَّنِي Oh Allah, calamity has reached me. 
and you are the most merciful one. In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, when the Prophet ﷺ, just one incident from the life of the Prophet ﷺ that comes to mind, when the Prophet ﷺ goes to Ta'if and he raises his hands and, he's, and, and the Prophet ﷺ is jeered at and he's stoned and pelted and he's bleeding, uh, the Prophet ﷺ turns to Allah and he says, Oh Allah, I complain to you the weakness of my strength. And the weakness of my own plans. Ya Allah, I'm complaining to you. Did he ask, Oh Allah, destroy them? Oh Allah, help me? No, he just praised Allah through complaining to Allah about his own weaknesses. His own weaknesses. So going back to the, to the slide before, right? The, the ask is really a little. The praise of Allah, our humbling ourselves in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be a lot more. And that is what should take a more major portion of our dua is just praising Allah. You can use the names of Allah that, Oh Allah, you are Ar-Rahman, the most merciful one. You are Ash-Shukur, the one that is grateful, the one that is appreciative. Oh Allah, you are the one who is Ar-Rahim, you are Al-Ghaffar, you are Al-Qahar. Learn the names of Allah as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran. Allah has beautiful names. And, and make dua to Allah through these beautiful names. So this is a major part of the guidelines of when we make dua, is don't, we may selfish in our dua as well, don't make it all about yourself, but praise Allah, and that's what the essence of the dua is. Some other guidelines regarding dua, some etiquettes for individual dua, make it meaningful and passionate. Right? Sometimes we just say, I mean, the imam raises his, his, dua, his hands, he makes dua, we're not even paying attention, ameen, 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 and we're out the masjid. The Prophet ﷺ said, Make dua with this state of mind that you know your dua is going to be accepted. It reminds me of the story of Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah, his mother's dua. Imam Bukhari, when he was a child, he was actually blind. He, didn't, he had lost his, his eyesight. And his mother made dua, she made a res, she was you know, firm. And she said, yeah, I'm going to continue to make dua and cry and beg Allah until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants my son, who is known to us as Imam Bukhari, his eyesight back again. And she cried and she made dua and she was persistent in her dua. So much so that one night she has a dream and in her dream, Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam approaches her and says, ya hadihi uh, abshir, oh, oh the one who's been making dua, your dua is accepted, Allah has granted your child eyesight. And when she wakes up and she goes to see who we know as Imam Bukhari, Imam Bukhari had his eyesight back. So to make dua with a heart, مُقِنُونَ ijaba, That you are convinced that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond to your dua. وَعْلَمُوا and know well أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ دُعَاءً مِنْ قَلْبٍ غَافِلٍ لَاهٍ the Prophet ﷺ said, Know well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't respond to a dua that comes from a negligent, inattentive heart. So if you're not making dua with full conviction that Allah will accept your dua, if you're making dua just listening and just culturally saying, Ameen, it's just tradition, it's just practice, then we're leaving the main etiquette of dua is to make dua with that humility that, Oh Allah, you will accept my dua. And being attentive in our heart and being careful and be focus, in focusing on what we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. This is from amongst the most, um, the most important guidelines of our dua to make sure our dua is meaningful and passionate. Taking our time in the dua. Sometimes we become very hasty. We want it accepted right away. In one hadith Qudsi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I will grant my servants what they want, walaw ba'da heenin, even if it's after some time. So in this hadith, I won't go through, through it due to lack of time. The Prophet ﷺ advises a companion not to be hasty, not to be hasty, not to give up hope, and to continue to make dua. Another etiquette of dua is purity of sustenance. In this hadith, very famous hadith, the Prophet ﷺ paints a picture for us. Imagine a man who's stuck in the middle of the desert, no food, no water, he's got nothing. Now usually the case is, someone that's going through a difficult time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the doors of mercy for them. You are going through a difficult time, whether it's death, whether it's sickness, whether it's a loss of wealth, a loss of whatever it may be, the crying 
and the turning to Allah opens the doors of mercy for a person. And this person is in, is in a very uh, difficult state. He's stuck and lost in the middle of the desert. No water, no food. Usually the case is, as soon as this person who's going through so much difficulty turns to Allah, Allah opens up the doors of mercy. And so the Prophet ﷺ paints this picture. Imagine this man. He's journeyed far. He's disheveled and dusty. He's lost. And he spreads his hands out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he begs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Usually the case is his dua is accepted. But the Prophet ﷺ says, How? How can his dua be accepted where his food is haram, his clothing is haram, his drink is haram, all of these things, his body's, body is nourished by haram, then how can his dua be accepted? So an etiquette of making dua is to make sure that our sustenance, our wealth, our eating, our drinking, our wearing, everything is through ways that are pure and halal. Like mentioned in the hadith that Allah is pure. Allah does not accept that, except which is pure. Also, humility and crying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran and I have given you multiple uh, examples like the likes of Imam Bukhari's mother. The humility in crying. In one hadith, the Prophet tells Abu Bakr if you can't cry, then just fake it. Even faking it. Even acting like you're crying, if you're not emotionally there, then even that, that, that faking it in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In our dua, we want to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and send salawat upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Like I mentioned, a majority of our dua should be praise of Allah and salawat upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A very famous hadith, I'll quickly mention it. A companion asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, how much salawat, meaning durood, how much Peace and blessings, salutations should we send on you in dua, O Prophet of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ gave a few recommendations. And the Sahabi just kept asking, what about if I made more? The Prophet ﷺ said, the better. What if I made more? The Prophet, the, the Prophet ﷺ said, better. The Sahabi asked, what if I did more salawat and durood uh, on you in our dua? The Prophet ﷺ said, even better. He said, what if I made my whole dua? My whole dua. Just sending peace and salutations upon you. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, if you did that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would take care of all your needs. Right? So we want to make sure that our dua is full of praise of Allah and salawat upon the Prophet. ﷺ. Also raising our hands. We know from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is that he would raise his hands. In the very famous ahadith of, uh, of Arafat, the incident of when the Prophet ﷺ is making dua. In the final pilgrimage, the Prophet is on top of his camel, raised his hands until the Sahaba could see the, the whiteness from under his underarms. And after some time, the Prophet would get tired and, and, and lower his hands. And then he would sit. Sometimes he was standing on the back of the camel with his hands stretched out. Then when he would get tired, he would sit and lower his hands and then go back standing in desperation and begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it shows that begging, that, that desperation, that humility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. So from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is to raise one's hands. This hadith reported by Imam Ahmad, in Allah ta'ala kareemun yastahyi idha rafa'a ilayhi al-abdu yadayhi an yaruddahuma sifran hatta yada'a fihima khayran. Allah is shy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we raise our hands doesn't like returning our hands empty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfills our dua and he fills our, our hands with khayr. So to raise our hands from amongst the etiquettes of dua. Some miscellaneous etiquettes facing the qibla being a state of wudu, crying, acknowledging one's sins, repeating dua three times, using duas from the Quran and the sunnah, making dua for others. We find in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, you make dua for someone else, there's angels sitting there and making dua for you. Exactly what you're making dua, may Allah grant you the, may Allah grant you the same. So when you make dua for others, the dua is accepted for yourself as well. To be persistent, I mentioned the story of, uh, uh, of Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah, as well as many other stories we know. And we all possibly, most definitely, have personal experiences where we made dua and we were persistent in our dua and we begged Allah for something. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala miraculously fulfilled our needs. Times of acceptance, like I mentioned, you know, in our life, in our lives, we look for times when there's deals, right? Black Friday or this and that and the other. We look for times when things will be cheap. 
In the same way, the heart of a mu'min is always looking for times when our du'as are accepted. We're looking for times when our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is pure, it's divine, it's straight, and it's connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So times of acceptance that we find in a hadith, the last third of the night, during adhan, before uh, iqama and after adhan. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi The dua between adhan and iqama is not rejected. So between Adhan and Iqama, we're done with our Sunan, raise our hands and make Dua. It's a time when Dua is accepted. During Salah, during Sajda, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that when we are in Sajda, and according to the Hanafi school of thought in the Nawafil prayer, when we are praying the Nafl to make Dua in Sajda is permissible. To actually make Dua while we are in Sajda, in Salah, these are times of Dua. The day of Friday, we know that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned there is a time period on Friday where Dua are accepted. And there's a discussion amongst ulama when this time is, uh, and there's a difference of opinion. But the difference of opinion gives us wus'a, and it gives us ability to make Dua throughout the day on Friday. So sending salawat on the day of Friday and engaging in Dua every Friday is something we must do. When will, is that time of acceptance? Only Allah knows. But our, again, desperation, we want something, we, begging, we are begging Allah, then all day can be spent in making, Allah, in, in making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Before drinking zamzam, the Prophet said, the water of zamzam, lima balahu. Whatever you make intention of while making zamzam, while drinking zamzam, is a time of dua of acceptance. Ramadan, Laylatul Qadr, during Hajr, while visiting the sick, during rainfall. In the hadith, the Prophet mentions that dua are accepted during rainfall. Places of acceptance, we know inside the Kaaba, of course, the Multazam. Uh, between where the black rock is and the door of the Kaaba is a place of acceptance for dua. Reported in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Safa in Marwa and after Jamarat during Hajj. In Sajda, duas accepted. Masjid al-Fatih, this is a specific uh, time and place. Uh, it's reported by Imam Bukhari and Adab al-Mufrad that Abdullah bin Zubayr an, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Jabir ibn Abdullah, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Sahabi, he said the Prophet ﷺ during the battle of Uhud, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Prophet ﷺ is making dua for the relief of the war, for something to happen so that the battle of Uhud, so that the siege can stop. And it was after Zuhr on Wednesday that the dua was accepted. So this companion, he said, what I did was I saw that that was a time when dua was accepted. And so I, went, I would go to Masjid Fatah where the Prophet ﷺ made dua after Zuhr on Wednesdays and dua was accepted. And this was the experience of the Sahabi that he says, my dua on Wednesdays after Zuhr where now there's Masjid Fatah in, in Madinatul Munawwara, dua being accepted there. Just a few months ago, actually last year, when Mufti Azimuddin came back from Umrah after the COVID experience, after things were shut down, he met a scholar that lived in Medina and he's lived there for many years. His fa family had moved there, if I'm not mistaken, from South Africa or from India. And they lived in Medina for the longest time. And COVID happens. Now everyone that's passing away during COVID is buried outside of Jannatul Baqiyah. Jannatul Baqiyah, the graveyard was closed during COVID. And so this scholar's mother happened to pass away during COVID. It's towards the ending of the COVID era or the time period, whatever it was. And he said, my parents moved from the country, wherever it was from, either South Africa or India, to Medina out of love of the Prophet ﷺ for the blessings of Medina and to be buried in Baqiyah. We know the special virtue of being buried in Baqiyah. And he said, but there was no way, my mother passes away, there's no way that she can be buried in Baqiyah. The, 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 the government has shut it down. People are being you know, buried elsewhere. No one's being buried in Baqiyah. He said, I felt so bad for my mother that she lived her whole life, left her homeland, her family, just so she could be buried in Baqiyah. And now she passes away and she can't be buried in Baqiyah. So he went to the offices, went to the people, went to the government, and everyone's, you're wasting your time. There's no way, there's no way that your mother is going to be buried in Baqiyah. And he tried and asked exceptions, go here, go there. It, nothing happened. He said, it happened to be Wednesday after Dhuhr. So he went to Masjid al-Fatah and he made dua. And he said, in front of my eyes, the first person to be buried in, in Jannatul Baqiyah after the whole COVID era was my mother. After making dua in, in Masjid al-Fatah, after everyone had told him, there's no way you're wasting your time, 
He went to Masjid Fatah, made dua between Asr and between Zuhr and Asr for his mother to be buried in Jannatul Baqiyah. And after the whatever year, however long it was, that Jannatul Baqiyah was shut and no one was being buried therein, he said, My mother, I've seen the acceptance of this, that my mother was the first person to be buried in Baqiyah after uh, the burial had started again in Jannatul Baqiyah. So this is something that you'll find. Imam Bukhari has made mention of this in Adabul Mufrad, places of acceptance. And the last thing, accept people whose dua are accepted, oppressed person person going through difficulty. The Prophet ﷺ said, many a people you will see, they look uh, disheveled, they don't have much, they're broke, you may think they are poor, but if they made dua, if they take an oath on Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfills it. The traveler, their dua is accepted. A fasting person, we know with Ramadan coming up and with us fasting here today, a fasting person's dua accepted until they break their fast. The dua of parents, the reciter of Quran, the hadith of the Prophet person who completes the, the recitation of the Quran, their dua, they finish at night, dua is accepted till the morning. If they finish in the morning, then their dua accepted until the night. A person returning from Hajj and Umrah, their dua is accepted. Dua for an absent person. We talked about you making dua for other people, that dua being accepted. The dua of a just ruler and someone that constantly remembers Allah, these people dua are all accepted. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala includes us from amongst these people. Just this last, um, last point, inshallah, I'll end. It reminds me of the story of Imam Ahmad. One time Imam Ahmad was traveling and this was in the time before, you know, CNN and before um, WhatsApp and whatever other uh, avenues we have for social media. So Imam Ahmad was traveling to Sham and back then people knew of Imam Ahmad but there were no pictures and you couldn't circulate who, what, what and who Imam Ahmad looked like and he traveled alone so nobody knew who he, who he was. And so during his travel, he stopped one night to pray salah, and then he intended to stay in that masjid for salah, for the night, sorry. He intended to stay in that masjid for the night. Now nobody knew who he was, and he just intended, well, I'll stay, and he didn't carry around a big group of people, and no one knew who he was, no one knew who Imam Ahmad was. And so he tried staying in the masjid, the masjid had a guard, and the guard said, you're not allowed to stay in the masjid. So he picked up his things, and he went outside to the stairs, to the entrance of the masjid and he, he laid down there and the guard came again and said you're not allowed on masjid property and by this time the guard was pretty frustrated that this man who's traveling is just sleeping here at the footsteps of the masjid first I told him to leave from the masjid he didn't leave or he left now he's outside so the guard literally picked up Imam Ahmad literally dragged him across the street and just dumped him there right, out of anger and frustration the guard he, no nonsense I told you to leave you're still here picked him up and dragged him across and dumped him on the other side of the road. Now this was Imam Ahmad. He was so well known. Imam Dhabi rahimahullah mentions that over a million people attended his janazah. And this is the time before, before all the social media and before even anyone, you know, before news and all of that stuff. At a time like that, Imam Ahmad was known so well throughout the world. And so Imam Ahmad, his humility, he didn't pull the card and say, you know who I am, Imam Ahmad, this, that, and the other. No, he just... He was dragged across the street, dumped there, he stayed there. There was a man who was on the other side of the street who was baking, and he would spend the night baking to prepare b fresh bread in the morning. And so as he's preparing bread, he's watching all of this happen. He's, happening, he's seeing the man dragged out of the masjid, dragged from the steps of the masjid across the street, and he felt bad, so he went out, he said, listen, I spend the night in the bakery anyway. It's warmer inside. I saw just what happened to you. Just come inside and stay in my bakery. Now the baker didn't know who Imam Ahmad was. So the man, he's just doing an act of kindness. He says, come stay in the bakery. It's warmer here. I spend the whole night here. Just spend the night here. So Imam Ahmad, he accepts and he doesn't tell him who he is either. And the man doesn't know he's Imam Ahmad. And the man, he goes back to kneading the dough and doing his bakery work. And Imam Ahmad, a night like that, couldn't sleep. And he said, the whole night I was looking at this man. Imam Ahmad is saying, I'm looking at this man the whole night. And this whole, the whole night, this person is remembering Allah. With every breath, with every turn, with every kneading of the dough, Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Recitation of Quran, dhikr of Allah. And this is going back to the last point. Someone who is constantly in the state of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their dua is accepted. And so the man is constantly making dhikr the whole night. And Imam Ahmad is staring at him the whole night. Subhanallah. Remembering Allah throughout his work. 
So in the morning, Imam Ahmad asks him, just out of curiosity, again, Imam Ahmad, does, he doesn't know that this is Imam Ahmad. So the Imam Ahmad asks him, you, you, the whole night I stared at you, you made dhikr the whole night, recited the Quran the whole night. What Allah has prepared for you in Jannah is there. There's no doubt about the palaces, the trees, the, you know, all of the, the rewards that Allah has kept for you in Jannah. That's there, there's no doubting that. But I'm asking you, just out of sheer curiosity, you make so much dhikr all night, what do you get out of it in the dunya? What do you get out of it in the dunya? In the hereafter, of course, there's no doubt about the fact that you will, you will receive the reward of that. But what do you see in this dunya? So much dhikr you made. So the man thought, this is just a traveler. I'm, you know, I'm exposing my own, uh, my own ability to this man. He doesn't know me. I don't know him. He tells the man, listen, the, 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 what I get, the outcome of me remembering Allah all the time throughout the night while baking bread is that all of my du'as have been accepted. Every time I raise my hand, my du'a are accepted. Every du'a I make, my dua are accepted, except for one dua. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted every need that I have, every dua I've made, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted it, except for one dua. So Imam Ahmad is like, subhanAllah, you know, all your dua are accepted, but now he's more curious. What do you, what's that one dua, if you don't mind sharing? You shared this, you know, top secret that all your dua are accepted. What's this one dua that you make that Allah hasn't accepted yet? So he shared it. He says, I make dua, an ara Imam Ahmad, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me the opportunity to see Imam Ahmad. He says, I make dua to Allah, that Allah gives me the opportunity to see Imam Ahmad. This is one dua that has not been accepted. And Imam Ahmad starts crying. And he said, Ha hu Allah, this is Allah, who dragged me from my hometown all the way here. And made me stop in this masjid. Literally made me get dragged across the street right in front of his shop to accept the dua of this man. This is Allah. So a person who remembers Allah, their dua are accepted. And remember, dua in it of itself is remembrance of Allah. Humbling ourselves that, Ya Allah, I'm nothing. I have nothing. It's not, I, it's not my education. It's not my background. It's not my socioeconomic status. It's not the zip code from where I come from. Ya Allah, innaka taqdiru wa la aqdiru wa ta'lamu wa la a'lamu. Oh Allah, you know, I don't know. Oh Allah, you have the capability. I don't have any capability. That, that is what dua is. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq and the ability to use all of the, we have all of this knowledge. I'm sure everything I've mentioned today is something we've heard before. It's a, just a reminder for myself and for all of us that we have this this tool, we have this ability to directly connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the, the fact that we're all staying in the masjid and we're here until tonight, we must have times of seclusion, just pour our hearts out to Allah. And like I said, whether it's five minutes, ten minutes, but build it up so that we can make our own dua and make hours of dua in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq and the ability to make sincere dua to Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cleanse our hearts from all impurities. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us, forgive us, keep us and our families away from all harm. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our coming here a means of guidance, a means of khair, a means of afiyah for us and our families. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our shortcomings, keep us and our families away from all harm. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Subhanallahi wa bihamdi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there may be some time and I wanted to Give us all the opportunity, even if it's just two minutes, to just engage in, in individual dua. In just two, even if it's just two minutes, three minutes, I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is or what's up next. But if we all can just individually turn towards the Qibla, raise our hands and just beg Allah and make individual dua to Allah, to Allah the, the, whatever we've learned, whatever we've heard, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Ameen. Jazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.